What's going on, everyone? Welcome to this edition of River City 93. If you haven't realized, it's a special edition because we have one, well, I should say one half of the brain trust of the Richmond Kickers training staff is Coach Mika. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Elliot. How are you? I can't complain, man. I know you were giving me a hard time. You're right. It has been four years since we had you on, and uh, we need to have you on a little bit more regularly. Well, I can't, I can't speak for that, um, but I do appreciate the opportunity for sure. <laughs> Most definitely, man. Um, first of all, before we get started with everything, how has things been with you? Um, I heard there's been some good developments. Your kids are going off to play big-time college soccer, things like that. Oh, me personally? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, life's good. You know, our oldest graduated from U of R uh, in May and um, our middle one, Isa, she did commit to go to UCF and continue to her soccer and academic career there. And and uh, we're very excited for her. I think it'll be a great challenge for her. It's a, it's a very, very good program. High level coaches, high level players, and obviously they're in a very strong conference. So very excited for her and, and proud of her for for uh, earning that opportunity, but also uh, daring to take that opportunity. It's a, it's a big step. And, and uh, she's competitive, like pretty much everybody in our family is, and, and uh, very proud of her. So thank you. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Oh, yeah, no problem. So I, I want to ask you this question, though, like because mm -hmm. normally, you know, when parents are going through the, the process of their kids trying to figure out what college they want to go to. Right. Did you have a lot of input? Do you kind of like, hey, you should look here, you know? Not my not my position to uh, take. <laughs> you know, to be fair, as a, as a parent, we we need to do what's best for our children. And, and um, you know, at the time when they are in the key decision making situations in life, uh, you're you're really looking at the fruit of your labor and, and uh, at a moment when it's too late to fix it. Um, I was there to support my wife, my wife, uh, who's also a former athlete herself. Uh, we were there to support and guide. But at the end of the day, it's it's her decision. And and uh, we were very proud of the decision she made. She was fortunate that she had some some really good options. And mm -hmm. and I think she picked uh, a very good one. So. So I, I do want to ask you this question, because mm -hmm. you give varying answers. How are you as a soccer dad? Are you in the stands like? Hold in focus on every little move she makes? Or are you kind of just like, mm, I hope she doesn't get hurt? Um, I mean, I, I, I think if, if you're looking at it as a as a dad, um, you're looking at it from a different lens than, than you are as a coach. Uh, and it's interesting for me, you know, my wife was a, a really high-level gymnast. I mean, she has a European bronze medal in team gymnastics. And, and, and uh, Early on, and when, when our daughters were younger, my wife used to coach them. And I used to say, like, I will never, ever coach my own kids. I, I, uh, I want to preserve the role of the dad for myself. And I'll be there to support the kids if they want to play soccer in the backyard. And, and uh, I've been able to retain that role, um, I think, relatively well. Uh, the two younger ones are soccer players both. And, and uh, they love the game. They, they go out and, and spend a lot of time on their own with the ball. Um, but since we moved to Richmond, I've also been uh, what I used to call before I, I uh, formally became the technical director for Richmond United. I used to say that I was lured into, quote unquote, helping out. Um, so I've been kind of in and out in terms of having a role within the, the clubs that my kids have been involved in. So I've, I've been kind of on the sidelines um, more as a parent at time 
at times uh, on the sidelines and the coaching side or college advising side. So it's been interesting for me to navigate the, the world, but, but um, I think it's contextual uh, because I've been in different roles around the game. Um, I think what I'm very happy about is that I think I've, I've stayed, I've stayed out of the conversations where as a professional, I might've felt tempted to go, but I've stayed as a dad when I think it's been my role to be the dad. And then when, when it's been my role to be a resource for everybody uh, in the club, then I've been that. So. Well, awesome. I mean, you're a tremendous resource at the club. I mean, you've been there for five years and in those five years, um, the clubs have really made a dedicated effort into bringing in a record number of youth players in the club. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you this, is, is the club switching its focus to being more focused on like long-term development of youth versus going out here and, you know, other clubs in league one getting top name talent and doing it that way. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we're switching our focus at all. I think we're just evolving. I mean, mm-hmm. um, ever since Darren came in and, you know, late 2019, he and I always had the same vision and, and, uh, it was to really, truly be uh, a club for all of Richmond and and truly uh, do what needs to be done in order to make that happen. You know, and then so since then, we've been modernizing the organizational model and operations. And for the longest time, we made efforts. We, we were hoping to create a full pathway with a real academy because it is a vital part of having a modern soccer club, club. Just, just looking at it globally. Uh, and strangely enough, you know, I've had people ask me like, Hey, so you, you almost left, but then you kind of didn't leave. Like what happened? And, and people don't know that I, I did leave and I did, did, uh, work, uh, away from Richmond. And, uh, maybe that was part of the, the kind of the final push to move things towards actually completing the pathway and bringing everybody together. Um, and that also made, made me, uh, make the U-turn and come back, um, you know, for Richmond and for, mm-hmm. for Richmond soccer. And, and, you know, America is, it's, it's unique because there's a dearth of soccer clubs with the model for player development from youth. Mm-hmm. Now, MLS academies are obviously, you know, clubs that do have the pathway, but MLS is a unique entity itself. But when you look beyond MLS, there's not many clubs that have the model that is, place in everywhere else in the world and and we want to be a model club for how to truly be an important member in the community and if we have local players in the roster playing in important roles it's smarter roster building it connects us better in the community and the inspirational element that it has for the younger players in the whole community i mean i i think it's unbelievable it's it's what makes soccer the people's game everywhere in the world um and and i think until the USL club started doing more of that, that's that's how it's been everywhere except in America. So I actually think that the the USL club's doing something similar to what we're doing. You know, you look at San Antonio, Sacramento Republic, you know, NCFC. Um, I think those are some really key contributing forces for soccer becoming bigger in America. It's not necessarily the big markets; it's the it's the mid markets, it's the smaller markets that I think are gonna really strongly com- contribute to the game becoming even bigger in the States. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point. Um, I, I want to pick up one thing that you said about mm-hmm. how 
you did leave, but then you did come back. So this kind of leads into my next question already. Yeah. Um, so, so you're the technical director for Richmond United, mm-hmm. but you're also this head assistant coach at Richmond Kickers, the pro yeah. team. How do those roles work in helping young players adjust to the first team? And what is the long-term vision for you with those two roles? Yeah. Um, makes for a busy life and long days for sure. I mean, I definitely are, understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know you can relate to with, with your teaching in grad school. Uh, you know, eight, eight months into the partnership and collaboration, there's still plenty to do, you know, even though we've had some really, really impressive tangible early signs of success you know Richmond United as a club had our most successful postseason ever and and we've signed players more players into academy contracts but also Landon Johnson to a to a pro deal uh, but the biggest thing that hasn't been in place in Richmond is the pedagogical foundation for player development and that's where my dual role kind of um, really starts to to make sense if you will uh, there hasn't been an actual foundation that is based on clear methodology, effective individual development plans, and a pedagogical model that's designed to lead to the highest level. Has there been quality work done in Richmond before? Of course. I'd be foolish to, to argue anything differently, but it just hasn't been consistent over the years, and, and it hasn't really led to the end point. So a lot of my time, you know, in, to, to specifically answer your question is, uh, you know, it's implementing pieces of a true academy, like daily operation. I'm, I'm coaching the coaches. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fine, you know, fine tuning and ironing out the details of, OK, if we're going to teach, what are we going to teach and how are we going to teach it? Why this particular topic at this point of the season? You know, I'm, I'm implementing periodization of tactical teaching periodization of physical performance you know bridging the gap from youth to pro the best i can and making sure that we have the right people in place helping with that massive responsibility because it is a responsibility that it's it's what the players deserve it's the the young people who are part of the the youth academy they don't know any different they 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 come in they love the game and they they expect us to be the best we can be and they expect us to help them pursue their dreams and unfortunately in the past for whatever reasons it hadn't been consistently in place so for me in the dual role on the one hand because i work with the pros every morning every day and i have a lot of the younger pros in individual development plans myself with the pro team um, that hands-on day-to-day in, interaction and, and role within the pro team also helps me stay directly and explicitly connected to where do the kids need to be at which given point in time in their development so that they are ready at 16, 17, 18, whatever that is, is dependent on the individual more than it is anything collective. But the context in which they are developed has to be systematic. Yeah. So. A lot of, lot of work. Um, if, you, if, you, if you use the analogy from, from your day-to-day, you know, imagine being involved in, in curriculum design and, and, and teaching methodology and, and, and teaching philosophy while also teaching in grad school. Yeah. So. No, I, man, that does, that does seem like a lot. So, I mean, obviously, you, you've been there for five years. You know, mm-hmm. You've been there for... 2019 and now you've seen the ups and flows of everything. What's been the biggest hurdle for you bringing in youth players and, and having them contribute, 
meaningful minutes to yeah. the first team where you don't stagnate their growth. So uh, it's it's very much related to what we were just talking about. You know, when when you have a brand new club, say Forward Madison, it's easy to start from scratch and create new. I mean, and, and to their credit, they've they've done an amazing job uh, creating a pro club in Madison, Wisconsin, and creating a lot of hype, creating a brand, creating everything. Uh, around them and and we recently when we visited there you know we talked with some of their staff members and and they were saying like they're starting to look at a little bit of grassroots development they're starting to look at how can they get into the community well we're not new we're proud of the fact that we have history so when you have existing models and structure you have to evaluate and see how much there is to build on whether you look at individual players or whether you look at the processes that are in place so before you clean the garage, you gotta you gotta figure out what it is that you gotta you gotta put up in a garage sale and what what just finds a new place there before you can park the car in there, right? Mm-hmm. And then so for us, the biggest challenge used to be the model itself and the the lack of true connection between our pro team and the academy because it wasn't there. And the reason why that matters is that there's there's so much the young players should learn along the way, and when there hasn't been a, an intentional process in place, the players have been just in a way, just playing youth soccer, knowing that they will develop, but with no specific endpoint in mind in terms of this is where we have to get them. But at an academy, there has to be an endpoint in mind. There should be benchmarks for development, just like in any educational setting. Yeah. So for me, the quote unquote biggest hurdle has really been the the lack of structure that wasn't there and and how it, you know, from starting from from the new partnership, how do we look at what are we going to keep? What are we going to build on and what has to be implemented? That's new. That hasn't been done before. So just I've started gradually, uh, you know, in some areas more, more aggressively than in others, because again, like I said, the players deserve that. Um, But we're still very much in the infancy. I mean, it's going to take two more years before we're really starting to look at like now we're talking. And, And that's not to say that we're not going to have, you know, more exciting things come along the way, but it just takes time. So, yeah. I do want to ask you this though. Um, when it comes to talk about like, I've heard you and Darren mention it before about making sure that the academy is on track with the pro team. Mm-hmm. Is that almost like making sure that the team is playing the same tactics as the first team, or having them train with the first team? Like, what what exactly does that mean? So, what what it means is that. Uh, you almost like you reverse engineer from what what Darren and I have in our pro team or what we've worked with in our previous jobs as well. And and, and knowing that at the highest level, this is what is required the most of the players, right? These are the qualities that the players have, regardless of the style of play, right? You take someone like Joao Felix, right? He went from Benfica to Atletico Madrid to Chelsea to now Barcelona. And those are teams that have some similarities in some areas but very dramatic differences in other areas and the and the the point of the academy should be that it it becomes almost self-perpetuating so that long after all of us are gone you know 50 years from now if the foundation is good then the player development the the doing what's right by the players is still in place because the the players need to be developed so that the ideal situation is that when they graduate from the academy, they can go and play for any style of play, depending on their personal qualities and their strengths. 
depending on which college ends up recruiting them or which pro team may end up needing their types of players. So you're looking at trying to develop the players to their highest level, not just to play in a certain style or, or formation that the current head coach of the first team wants to have. Okay. Okay. But that, that helps me kind of understand a little bit more. Yeah. Um, because I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of confused on it at first. Yeah. But on the outside, the, the kickers, strikers, and Richmond United, the most noticeable uh, youth team. There's others out there, but those are like the three noticeable ones I've known. Seem to be working in their own lanes mm-hmm. for this. Um, yeah. How the past year has have you spent it kind of merging the three groups together? Yeah, so it's interesting because on the one hand, um, you do need to find ways to merge because Richmond United is the academy uh, for us and it is formed by the two parent clubs, Richmond Kickers and Richmond Strikers, right? So it's a very peculiar mix. And as part of that, to add more wrinkles into the equation, um, it's to everyone's benefit if Kickers Youth and Strikers are actually competitive against each other. Because then when you look at them as the foundation, as the parent clubs for Richmond United, they are developing more competitive players if they have a local rival, right? And there's a lot of things that go into rivalries. As we all know, we all get excited about rivalries, right? Yes. <laughs> so so what I would say that on the is on the one hand, um, the three entities are not working completely in their own lanes as much anymore. But on the other hand, um, it is kind of inevitable that they do. And it's, it's, it's good for everybody as long as it's done in a way that makes sense for everybody. So, you know, we have great relations with everybody. And, and I think we should. Uh, we truly want to be uh, a club that is connected to all of RVA community. And it, it certainly extends beyond um, kickers youth and strikers youth. You know, we've, we've started to reach out to, to clubs that are actually far outside the, the the conventional youth soccer realms, you know, local clubs uh, like um, Richmond Latino United, for example. Um, we we want to be there for them as well. But, you know, keeping the focus in the, in the parent clubs uh, for Richmond United, uh, those relations must be maintained and enhanced. I think um, a big part of how to actually do that, how to merge everybody towards the same kind of shared goals. It takes people to understand what we're all about and buying into what we're doing. And, and I'm, I'm not so naive to think that everyone will, but it does take a lot of just engagement and discussions with everyone, you know, parents, coaches, players. And then so how I've been going about it, when I go to Richmond United training sessions, I always go around and, and check the coaches' sessions first because I, I, they, they submit their lesson plans for me during the day and I go and see how they're executing them. But then I often just walk around and start talking with the parents. Um, same thing if I see the players before their training, you know, I may engage in a conversation, talk about us, creating a shared club culture, very important. This year has been the first time there's been shared spaces for the girls and the boys. So that there's more of a sense of unity that we're all in this together. There's a feeling of a club instead of just a collection of teams. But really, that's the only way we can get to the closest version of everyone working together. If you always just show up and and start training and you're never in a shared space together and you don't get to know each other, there's no sense of unity or community. 
So we want to do that. And, and we're starting to see more people getting on board. And, and I think the benefit that Darren and I have is that we've worked successfully in that domain in other places. And we don't have as much baggage in Richmond because we're not from here. And we just what we hope to do is that we what we've done already in other places. And, and it has to start with people. It has to start with having the right people in the right positions. Um, but then recognizing that, you know, Richmond is our home and, and uh, the more we engage, the more people understand what we're doing and the more accessible we, we are, um, then you're going to be able to bring people together. So, yeah, it, it almost seems as if like you not being from the area, kind of look at it from like a clearer view and be like, all right, this is what we need to work on. But also within that, you know, like you said, like, making it feel like a united effort on all fronts of making sure we're going in the same direction. 100%. I mean, I was fortunate that where I grew up, there's, there's, there's history and tradition of, of uh, helping players go on and pursue the dreams. And, you know, I, I, I played with guys who went on to play, had far better careers than I did, you know, guys that played in the EPL in the Bundesliga, um, you know, you named the European league and I had, had teammates who, who went on and played there. So you're right. The, the experiences that I've had both as a player and as a coach um, give me a little bit of clarity in terms of, uh, okay, what I think is possible in Richmond uh, and, and combined with Darren, that's, that's two people in the, in the important positions to be able to do so. And then it's like, ask the coaches uh, for the first months, I said, we, we need to be Richmond United, actually not name only, you know, and, and, and I mean that not just a club, but just like everybody. And it, somebody may think that it's idealistic, but you know what? I, I drink out of a mug that says half full every day. So <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, one of the players that's been on everyone's, you know, bringing a, a star to everyone's eye is Landon Johnson, who recently just signed a pro contract. Uh, how did you know he was ready for the next level? Like, how, he's 16 years old. How did you know, like, all right, this kid is ready? To, to be a pro so yeah no no i mean it's 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 a great question because it's it's individual for everybody and again i think there's there's a couple of reasons that kind of allow you to develop that lens and and for darren and myself we've we've done that in in the previous places where we've worked so we have a we have a um a way to look at a young player and and you know, the number one thing is obviously it takes a lot of detailed observations over time. So we didn't just say, hey, Landon, come to our training and then watch him in our training for a little bit. You know, we've we've do we've done our research on him. He's a local kid who we used to see before he left for Atlanta. We've we've kept in touch with them over the year in terms of how things went in Atlanta, watching some recent film. Uh because you must learn to see the habits and the tendencies of a young player because that really shows you what you can work with in terms of actually starting to fulfill any potential. And the, one of the phrases that I tend to use is um, it's either something that you have to deal with or you get to work with. Right. And if, if the balance is starting to tip the scales more to what you get to work with, then okay, the promise is there. And then it's important to be patient and let the process take the time that it needs. And for some it's faster than others. Uh, but the kind of the rule of thumb is, I think we all know the story of people who, who get too much too soon, right? Yeah. And then what happens to their development? They get belly full, they, they no longer develop. So 
it's important to to take the time and gradually teach more and more while allowing the strengths and the qualities and the confidence of youth to stay in the forefront. Otherwise, you kill their confidence and obviously no one wants that. So longer process, um, depending on when you start and what is accessible to you. But then ultimately, when you bring them into your environment and you, you make Landon and Owain run in the flanks and see like, okay, how, how are you doing now? Or, you know, you make, you make Landon go at Simon Fitch in training. If he passes that test, then, okay, now we see that he's ready to get some minutes. And that's when the next next phase of the process kind of gets underway. And I mean, I think I said it when we announced Landon, but I mean, anybody who was at the stadium against Comunicaciones when when Landon got on the field, I mean, it was electrifying, right? Yes. But it was it was a lot of work that got to it. Obviously, from Landon first and foremost, his family to to help him and support him, but then from us to. To be able- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. to do that at the right time. I mean, obviously, you're always dealing with a 16-year-old, and I always feel like, oh, I could go play, I could go play, I could go play. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do those conversations go when you tell them, like, all right, look, you're not part of the 18 this week, but we want you to be engaged in different ways. I've heard, I've heard Darren talk about it where, you know, he can learn the game from different aspects, whether it's being on the field or sitting on the bench or sitting in the mm-hmm. stands. How does that work within his development? Because you're, you know, he's 18, you I mean 16, you're thinking for him personally, he's like, I want to go play, I want to go out there, but you have to kind of reel him back, like you said. Yeah, and I mean, we so as as I mentioned earlier and when we were talking that we, we have an individual development plan for for yeah. most of the players on the team, but with the young ones, it's very important that individual development plan also includes parts of the process that they need to learn the mental side of the game. You know, if you if you've played the game. Uh, on a high level, you've you've had young players who look like they they're ready when they're in training, but then you put them in the game at the wrong time and they're paralyzed. And then all of a sudden, like, what happened? Well, nothing happened. He just wasn't ready. So those conversations that you were talking about, uh, they're paramount. They're they're the conversations you need to have. Like, hey, you know, you need to teach them not to take any pressure. You need to teach them to focus on the task at hand. You know, it's it's definitely not just skirting sports psychology it's understanding you know psychology of development psychology of growth and 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 how it's unique to each individual so it's 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 those moments that says the coaching is far more art than science obviously i, I you know i know psychology and sports psychology and things like that is a big part of your background how much is that comes into play when evaluating youth like what are some things you're looking for them to execute on and off the field and how do you help them handle that mental part of the game is it you know pairing them up with a veteran or you know kind of showing them the ends of how to be a pro like, how does mm-hmm. that look so 
you know, I recently had a conversation with a with a men's division one head coach, and 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 it was one of the many many uh, colleges that have recently uh, had some conference realignments happen. And and I said, you know, how's how's this changing the way you scout? And he told me, Mika, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to I'm going to go to the big, strong, and physical. And 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 at that point, I'm you know with a little bit of hair that I got left, I'm like I'm tearing it out of my head because I didn't want to hear that. Because to me, and this is important, the reason why I share that anecdote is that um, different coaches may look at the game differently, right? But the yeah. the way I look at it, the way we look at it, is we we look for the brain first. So when we look at a player, obviously, if we evaluate them in our environment, it's a little bit different than if we evaluate them in someone else's environment, but. But there's some primary criteria or qualities for a player that that are, you know, if if you do some bigger, deeper research into in terms of uh, qualities of players on the highest level, uh, the brains up there number one. Uh, how how do they see the game? How how does their brain work? What is it that they're especially with young players like? What is it that they're trying to do? Instead of are they successful in their execution? But what is it that they're trying to do? Are they trying to the right things that are aligned with what the team is trying to do, how the team is trying to play, or are they just playing their soccer? That's huge. Uh, then, then you're starting to look at like, okay, what, what is their level of awareness? What's their game inside? Like what, what do they see on the field? Right. What kinds of decisions do they make? Then you're going into, okay, technique. How, how is their technique? Does, does their technique impact their decision-making? Because if you, if you can't control the ball out of the air with different parts of your body, for example, then you're going to be limited in, in your decision-making because it takes more time for you to clean the ball out of the air. Or, you know, how's your first touch? Because your first touch often determines what you can do with the ball because you need to either buy more time if you have not a strong first touch or you you know you're going to be able to do things quickly if you can trust your first touch either foot being good then you start going from there things like movement quality you know uh, you know i use when especially working with the younger players i use the analogy of a car you know it doesn't doesn't matter if it's a ferrari or a nissan but if the wheels are not aligned it's not going to be as fast as it's going to be if the wheels are aligned you know, and then so you're starting to look at like, okay, how does somebody run? How do they change direction? How how do they jump? Things like that. And it's less about the strength and the power. It's more about uh, the fundamental movement quality. It's 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 more about okay, how does someone move? Because if if someone moves efficiently, and then you just put a bigger engine on it, then it's going to be a stronger and a faster player. So for me. That's how you go. You literally start looking at the brain. You start to look at what you can tell about their brain activity, even though you obviously can't see inside the brain. And then you start looking at the execution pieces of the decision-making and then the quality of their movement. It's kind of having that top-down approach of making sure, like, if this isn't, if their if their brain isn't, I hate to say, they're, like, operating at a certain capacity or a certain level or they're yeah. processing the information, yeah. It's going to be harder for them to do everything else. One hundred percent, especially the modern game, because you know, at, at our level and and higher, obviously, um, everybody's going to be their 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 best physical self. Yeah. So it's the brain that makes the difference. Yeah. So, and we have a very specific style of play that we were still developing, and and will continue to improve and enhance, which really requires the players to understand how to play, because. Once, once we get to the level of, of uh, versatility and, 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 and uh, execution in terms of 
team tactics, uh, the foundation that we've been laying for a long time um, is going to pay dividends. And, and it does take a certain type of player to be able to play in that, in that style of play. Yeah. So. Speaking about some of the veterans on this team, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, this team is laden with guys that have a bath of experience. Um, even some guys that are here local, like it's Belmar and Dak that have played at VCU and Simon as well. Yeah. How are they helping the youth adjust to being professionals. And within that, like, what has this season, even though it hasn't been the best of all-field results, how has this season been for their experience, the youth players? Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, the, I think the players themselves would be able to give you some really good answers to that. But, I, you know, we have a tight, tight culture. We, we, we know each other well and we, we care about each other. So I think I have a pretty good perspective on this. And, and, and I will tell you a couple of things. Number one, yeah, we all know that the season uh, results-wise hasn't been what we wanted it to be, and we all have to own it, you know, staff and, and players. And and part of it is, you know, how how and in what areas have the veteran players, because we do have some very experienced players, you know, when, when you're looking, looking at some key positions of the team, um, how have they helped the young players grow? Um, it, it's a fair question, and, and, and I think there are great examples of some of our veteran players taking the young players under their wing, like the Dakota and, and Beckett, two defenders. They, they go and have lunch every now and then, you know, and, and it's, it's a great example of, of uh, what you would expect and what you would hope for, but you can't at the end of the day, you can't tell people to go and have lunch together, you know. You can maybe do it once when your boss tells you to, but after that, it's it's kind of going to be on you whether whether you're going to actually do that, uh, because it requires you to get along with people and 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 want to spend time with each other. And and you know, in our locker room, everybody gets along. Um, but what I'm most grateful for is you know, like some Neil and Zaka, Dakota. You know, we have we have a lot of guys, uh, Chris Cole. Um, they're very good with the young players. They, they take them on, you know, we have some of the younger guys now drinking mate. I'm sure Zaka had a lot to do with that. You know, they're sitting down and, and the best part of the best example of, of how the veterans have done well is that the young ones never want to leave the locker room. They're always last. And I, I was like that when I was a young player, you know, I played my first pro game at 17 and, and I just love seeing that. So on the one hand, I would say that, you know, it's been great. We've had a lot of, and Simon, I, I, I cannot forget Simon. I mean, he's the, he's the senior Richmond United alum who's, who's uh, every now and then, you know, taking the Richmond United kids under his wing and, and, you know, whether it's just having a laugh on the road or, or actually talking about soccer. So we do have a lot of players who've, who've uh, done a very good job. But at the same time, you know, when you're looking at collectively, you know, I think it is an area that I think uh, we could have been better uh, because it would have been it would have been even nicer if if the young ones would have also learned a little bit more about winning the season. But mm-hmm. it just hasn't happened, you know, but in, in key moments, you know, if you look at if you have 10 ties in a season, you know, you just you take four of them as wins and six of them as losses and, and you're already looking at a completely different season. And a lot of times it is the veteran leadership, whether it's the execution of the game model by the veterans or them having the right speech to the team at the right moment. You know, those those are sometimes the the situations where the veteran leadership and them showing the young players how it's done matters the most. But again, 
coaches and, and players have to own all of that together. It's it's not one person or two people. It's it's all of us. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you this, though. I'm talking about the youth. And you mentioned mm-hmm. how they're kind of the last ones to leave the locker room because they love the environment so much. Yeah. You ever kind of just sit back and have like a proud coach dad moment to be like, we got a good group here. Seeing those moments, seeing those interactions, knowing that, you know, you're not having to volunteer them to hang out with these guys or anything like that. Like they're oh, on, yeah. they want to be sponges for information. Look, look for, for sure, Elliot. And and I, I, I can tell you that in a season like this, it's probably even more so, you know, because you're sometimes you're, you're grasping for those positives, you know, in a, yeah. in a gloomy Monday when, when you again feel like, man, we should have just scored more. We should have, we should have beaten Greenville four two. Right. So, um, yeah, of course, I I do look at it. And I'm I'm excited. I mean, it was it was the same thing this morning. You know, the last four people to leave the locker room were Gabe, Beckett, Nicholas, and Landon. You know, and I, and and I I'm grateful for it. And one of the things that Darren and I every now and then uh, we try not to become too much the old guy who always has a story, um, but we remind them of how precious it is um, because. Like I said, I was one of those young guys, always the first one in there, the last one to leave. And when when there was a time in my life when soccer wasn't the full-time thing for me, you know, when I was teaching in grad school and, and I was coaching part-time, I realized that that's the piece that I missed the most. You know, yeah, it's nice to win championships. And 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 I was fortunate to be on, on winning teams a lot and and everything. But it's right now the locker room, um, is the one thing I'm, in my life that I wish that I had, but I know that I never will. And the closest thing to it that I can have is uh, being there as a coach and seeing the young men embrace it as much as they do. Yeah. 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 I mean, you do hear a lot of us talk about that, saying like across all sports, like that's the thing they, they miss the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask you this question. If you could go back and have a conversation with your past self about this season, what what are three things you would tell yourself? Yeah, so I, I knew you were going to ask. It's a, it's a cute question, isn't it? Um, but like, I I don't know. I I don't know what you what you want me to say. You know, if if you, well, uh... I, I always think about it like this, right? Because of course, being a teacher, so at the end of the mm-hmm. year, um, I've learned this trick from one of my first principals, yeah, um, Dr. Hawkins, and he just said at the end of the year to sit back and just think about like three things, like. Something positive, something negative to happen is something you would love to change, right? Mm-hmm. And then look at those three things and see how can you use them to uh, propel yourself forward for the next year. So, yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of like how I'm asking the question. Like, what are three things you, if you can go back and have a conversation with your pastor and be like, hey, look, be prepared for this, you know, be on the lookout for this, but know this is coming around the corner. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess the number one thing would probably be, you know, uh, to remember that it is a process and, you know, I don't have, I don't have anything where I would say like, I wish I could go back and do this. I really don't, you know, our season has been frustrating and, and, you know, it's easy to judge from the results, you know, but I, I would probably say, I would remind myself of what my mom used to say, not to judge a book by its cover, you know, because every year we've said that we'll improve the club and, and the product on the field as part of it. And, you know, going from last season to this season, we lost five guys from the starting 11. 
and we we felt that we brought back players and and staff that were productive the year before and it just hasn't worked out this season but you know now we're in the more in the anal analyzing process of okay what do we do we analyze every week and certainly at the end of the season and you know it's it's pro sports and i'm grateful for the opportunity to work here so that's that's why i would i would probably go there first and say remember that it's a process because we we have the best owner in the league and and we're we're grateful that we still have the opportunity you look around the league i mean there's coaches who no longer have the opportunity they had in the beginning of the season and and our chairman rob ukrop i mean he's all about developing the club into into sustainable organization who wins regularly and when it's not happening trust me you 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 don't see a happy rob you don't see a happy darren you don't see a happy mika but while we build for the long haul it doesn't mean that we want to sacrifice anything in the short term and then when the results have been the way they have been we must learn from it coaches and players alike and then just build on it um second thing i would probably say there's going to be more positives than it's going to feel like and, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, we had Richmond United U17 boys win the national championship. We we had uh, two other Richmond United teams uh, go into the semifinals and the quarterfinals. We have young men who are clearly showing that they are worth the investment that we've fought hard to try to create for them. Uh, there's a lot of positives to look at. And, and obviously you don't want to sugarcoat things either. So you got to find the right balance and that balance comes from the analysis. Um, and I honestly don't know what I would say is the third one. You know, I gave you two long ones, which is probably no surprise to anybody. No, that's fine. No, I understand. I, this question kind of popped up while, while you were talking, but mm -hmm. a little bit more into, into that psychology role of it. How do you handle the conversation with the kid that doesn't make it? You know, the kid that's in Richmond United that mm -hmm. wants to play for the pro team or looking to go to college um, at a D1 school, but the D1 schools aren't coming. How, how do you have – how do you handle those conversations with those players? Yeah, I mean, obviously those are the harder conversations and it's it's what we as educators, as parents, we we need to be able to have. And I think the, the more um, or the better you do your job along the way before it even comes down to that um the better it is to have those conversations because everyone's path is different and if you if you ask anybody who's hear me talk about recruiting um i keep repeating that i've seen so many different stories of success that don't don't happen at the timeline that you wanted it to. But then when you start asking for the reasons why it didn't happen at that timeline, you realize that maybe your timeline was just arbitrary. Maybe it was just, Hey, you know, this would be cool. So it's just, if you can find the right ways of seeing, not just seeing the silver lining, but seeing the value and seeing why this now that's for me, that's the only way. And, and again, you're, I think you have to, as an educator and as a parent, you have to do everything you can to try to see the world through the eyes of the youth. And if you do, then I think you're most likely to reach the ones you're going to be able to reach. And the the hard part, I think, for me is that acceptance of you may still not reach everybody. You know, they may still feel like, hey, you know, if someone else should, if someone else would have done something better or differently, maybe it would have happened. So. I, this is the last question I got for you, man. Mm -hmm. But 
we we've seen the impact of youth on the men's side so far with Landon Johnson, Nicholas yeah. Simmons, who I'm not gonna lie, I'm actively recruiting him to play for Jamaica. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> for my own self-interest, him and his yeah. sister. Um Gabe Cox, Becca Howe, and, and others. But mm-hmm. as you know, we have a women's team coming next year. Yeah. How do you imagine this would look for the W League team starting its first season next year? Yeah, I mean, with the pathway we created, I would expect a good number of Richmond United girls players with potential to get a similar opportunity to train and even play with the high-level players of the W League team. I mean, you know, if, if I think about our organization, um, our chairman and executive staff, they're building another exciting brand for all of RVA. And, and I think it'll be culturally aligned with our kickers men's pro team in all key aspects and the opportunities for the young people is always going to be there. It's going to be one of the key aspects. Uh, It's not the only one, but it's certainly one of the key aspects because only by walking the talk of we're here for everybody, are we ever going to actually accomplish that? Um, And there's certainly a lot of potential, a lot of good players in Richmond United girls and boys. And uh, this gets me excited. You know, if we can add six more games to, uh, to begin with, if we can add six more exciting games to go to the stadium and maybe I will have an opportunity to actually watch a game at at city stadium instead of uh, working it, you know, Um, I'm all for it. So I would expect there, there to be a a similar look, if you will, you know, and, and probably a, a, you know, roster-wise, I would imagine that there's going to be a, even a bigger percentage of hopefully uh, players from Richmond playing for the W League team. But that's that's for uh, that's for those who are going to be formally part of that staff, and and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where it's going to go. But that's that's my that's my two cents. <laughs> well, Mika, I appreciate you for your two cents, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you because I feel like we connect on not just a, on a soccer level in a sense, but also like an education level as well. So having these conversations, I promise you, it won't be another four years before you come on again, man. It's well, listen, if, if it is, uh, I, I take no offense. You guys are busy in, in, in all aspects of life. And, and thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, as always, listeners, we just want to say thank you for taking the time of your day for listening to our show. Uh, with that being said, you can follow the show at www.rivercity93.com. Mika, once again, thank you, my friend. Listeners, we will talk to y'all later.